Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Top 5 Movies. I'm Jonathan Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. Hi there. And this week, uh, our Top 5 list will be consisting of the topic romantic comedies in honor of uh, Rebel Wilson's new film, Isn't It Romantic? Um, have you guys seen the trailer for that film? I have, and it was enough to not... Well, I mean, honestly, this is not my favorite genre, so... Same. I, it wasn't going to sell me. It would have to be exceptional, as in life-changing exceptional, for me to really want to see it. Well, Corey, uh, did, did you see the trailer for this film? I've been avoiding it, but oh. I can't remember... <laughs> I can't remember if it's on Twitter or on Instagram or where it is that it just makes you, they try to make you watch it. And I'm just like, scroll, 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 you know, I don't know. It sounds more like an Instagram thing, but, um, I am a fan of this genre. I like rom-coms quite a bit. I find a lot of joy in them. Um, it's no secret that I'm a fan of friends, which while is not technically a rom-com, I think you can make a strong argument that it fits a lot of the generic conventions. Um, especially since it primarily centers around Ross and Rachel uh, in the 10 seasons. So <laughs> um, I, I am a fan of this type of thing. I like the idea of romance and the the hope that there there's somebody for everybody. And uh, I did catch Isn't It Romantic yesterday and was pleasantly surprised. Um, I, I expected to not like it because I have not liked several of Rebel Wilson's performances um, in her last couple of films especially. But uh, it it ended up winning me over, and I got to give a big part of it to Adam Devine. That guy, uh, he just there's something about him that I find to be not only funny but um, endearing. Like he's such an everyman, but he's uh, he's just outside of it. You know, he's just above the everyman. So it's like something to strive for. It's like oh, I think I think you could get to where he is. It's attainable. Yes, exactly. It's not like you know Liam's Hemsworth or more like Chris Hemsworth Liam's like the subpar version no offense Liam but <laughs> be real um, what? Liam Hemsworth is the uh, one of the romantic leads in isn't it romantic and sorry he's just no Chris uh, he's he's just not just not as good he is a clearly lesser brother but you know no offense of course I mean he did get Miley Cyrus so that says something but does it though <laughs> It, well, well I it mean, says something. Hold on, though. Not something good. He saved all of their pets during the fires, guys. So he can. I no. feel like he needs a humanitarian award. Well, I keep, don't really keep in mind by saying he's a lesser. <laughs> wait, is, wait a minute. Was humanitarian? Oh, sorry. Pets? I'm just you making say... things up. <laughs> um, for... He deserves an award for say... saving all of their pets during the well, California fires. Clearly. Burke's not going to give him that award. No, no. Keep in mind, calling him a lesser Hemsworth does not mean he's <laughs> he's lesser than me. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's still a Hemsworth. He's still, like, way up there. But It's like the Skarsgård brothers. Yeah, There's like, a rank. Chris is just, is just phenomenal. Because not only is Chris very funny, but the dude's, like, super it's like ripped. the Baldwins. Alex, yeah. like, the top tier. It's, yeah. Even's, like, not... Adam Baldwin's. I don't even know. I don't even know all the Baldwin's. I mean, there's plenty of you know sibling families in Hollywood. You got the Wayans, and you got the Baldwin's, and you got the uh, the one Corey said that I now can't think of for some reason. Um, what did you say, Corey? 
uh, Sarsgaard. Oh, yeah. that's weird that that's where you went first. The Baldwins was also my first thought. Um, <laughs> the Wilsons. Uh, yes, which I, I prefer an Owen most of the time, but every once in a while, Luke hits it right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, wow. But nonetheless, um, Isn't It Romantic was a pleasant surprise. My review will be up uh, by the time you hear this podcast. And uh, if you're a fan of rom-coms, I definitely think um, the movie holds up in a lot of ways, even though it is essentially picking at the uh, generic conventions and the tropes of the genre. It also seems to have like a bit of a affection for them. It's not just making fun of them. It is very much like, yes, yes, these are there, but aren't these movies just a lot of fun? If you, if you embrace the, tr- the silliness and the, the campiness, because it, there is a, there's an element of hope in these movies that, you know, um, no matter how ugly the duckling, there's a chance to find true love and that, that's such a nice kind of feeling and especially in, in today's time when everything does feel cynical and, and kind of you know not great uh, it's it's these types of movies that give you that little bit of optimism to get through the day so that's that's how I've always taken the wrong See, yeah, okay okay well that explains it because <laughs> what's hope what's hope exactly what is hope so that yeah. could be why it doesn't appeal to me <laughs> <laughs> the darker side. Um, no, it, come on. Every genre has those <laughs> gems. It doesn't matter how much you like a genre. Um, there's always a few that just seem to click. Um, so I try to teach my students. Well, I think also, though, that because I had a hard time with this list because I was like, I don't really like this genre. But I think that there are a lot of movies that are considered part of it, romantic comedies that I wouldn't think are part of romantic comedies possibly but i mean if it if there's a uh romance and some comedy then you've got a potential rom-com i do think it depends on the uh the level of comedy um for sure to really like embrace it all the way but i mean this genre has been around since the the introduction of film i mean we go to silent era and there are rom-coms to pull from um many with charlie chaplin um you know so like this is this is a long lasting genre it does get a lot of um there's a lot of crap that comes out in the genre but there are some all-time classic films that hit in the genre too so i think there's room for everything and what i was about to say is i try to teach my students never to say you blanket hate a genre um because there's always the potential for something in the genre to work like i used to say i hate musicals i have learned that that is not true i hate very specific musicals and i Mm. i would love to say i love horror but i hate some of the most beloved (laughs) horror movies of all time so i can't say i love the genre exclusively like it's just because something falls into one of these genres does not mean i'm gonna like it and there's plenty of rom-coms that i do not like um but there are some that i find a lot of joy in, and many that i can tolerate even if i don't love like my wife's one of her favorite films um because we talked about this list extensively um and i hope this isn't on either one of your lists i don't think it will be but sweet home alabama is a movie that my wife absolutely loves and i don't love it but i i don't mind it um there are some good moments. There are some definitely funny moments. The romance is a little eye-rolly, lifetimey, in my opinion. Um, but otherwise, it's it's very watchable. Um, and it's easy to rewatch. And I find that true with this genre in general. A lot of the movies that I have in my honorable mentions or in my top five are movies that I've watched many times or could watch many times um, because of the, the fun, kind of hopeful experience that I get when I watch them. That's, I mean, that's fair. I guess 
See, I'm stuck on Unite liking horror, and I'm a little sad. See, there goes hope again. <laughs> now, hold on. I didn't say I didn't like horror. I said I wish I could say I like horror, like, exclusively. I wish it was a genre that I could just be like, mm. yes. But it's not, because there's plenty of horror films, uh, many of which, again, like, uh, Corey and I will share this experience. Neither of us like the original Suspiria, but that's a beloved it, horror film. It is, but that's an acquired taste. And I've, I, I want to see the new one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get that. There's some that... Honestly, like, how, how the, the how? new the new one made me uh, appreciate the old one a little more, to be honest. Whoa! Um, wow. But okay. I don't know how to read that. Oh, it's it's in my uh, oh it's on the uh, the take six uh, podcast episode with Sean. Um, I don't spoil the movie, but I do kind of explain my my perspective. But it's mainly uh, this movie, the new Suspiria, hits you over the head with the story where the original oh, left a lot that's... to be interpreted. Um, and I kind of appreciate the, uh, not just blatantly, I'd like a little more clarity in the story from the first movie, but I don't need it to be spelled out for me in such a obvious and long winded way. Cause that, the, the, the new version is an hour longer than the original. Um, yeah, it's two and a half hours. Okay. Yeah. And it seems like it would overstay its welcome. It does. Um, there's, there's a couple of cool scenes, but it's not, it's not great. Um, but we're not here to talk horror. We're here to talk rom-coms. And um, if you've never listened to the show before, here's how this works. We make our list in secret, and we get together to uh, to share them. And then we give each other crap about our list, or we go, how didn't I think of that? That's such a good pick. Um, something in between often happens. Uh, before we get into it, we like to have free reign to talk about these movies. So, Corey. Guys. From here on out, we are going to talk about these movies probably with some spoilers. You've been warned. You can go to BrickReviews.com and check out each of our top five lists. Otherwise, full steam ahead. Now, of the three of us, Mike tends to have movies on his list that are a little more obscure. And so Corey and I like to wager how many of Mike's movies we've seen. Now, this topic, especially since Mike is saying it's not a favorite, I'm thinking I might have a pretty good edge here. So, Corey, I'll let you go first. How many of Mike's movies do you think you've seen? I always lowball. I'll go two. I'm going to go four. I'm going to go big. Wow. I'm hoping no, that... look, Owen, Wilson, Owen Wilson's here. Oh. <laughs> I mean, look... Hey, in the rom-com genre, the dude's no stranger to it. It's definitely possible yeah. um, that he shows up here, whether it be Wedding Crashers or it could be uh, You, Me, and Dupree. Although he is not the romantic interest in that film. Nonetheless, I would still say it probably qualifies as a rom-com. Um... And, you know, maybe even Shanghai Noon, although that's more of a buddy comedy, but still. <laughs> there's there's some romance in that film. Um, that said, Corey's going to start us off this week, um, and then Mike, and then I will go. So, Corey, what do you have for your number five, top five romantic comedy? I couldn't make this list and leave this off. I know we've talked about it. I can't even remember which lists. Um, I'm pretty sure we're all fans. I know you are, John. Uh, I'm not really a big Adam Sandler fan, but I still, or actually Drew Barrymore, and I'm pretty sure that's going to get me some hate. Ooh, sorry, not sorry. I had to go with the wedding singer. (laughs) So, (laughs) I don't even remember when this movie came out. I've talked about it before. My brother is a big Adam Sandler fan, so we had all those movies. They were watched very frequently in our home. Um, I just think that they're it's so charming. I love that it takes place during the 80s. Um, I love the music in it. I think that when he's having his meltdown and trying to be hired for a wedding, I just 
don't even know if I, you know, laughed that hard again in a movie. But <laughs> is my math right? Ninety-eight. That was twenty. Oh, twenty-one years ago. years ago. Holy, Holy cow! Holy heck! That is crazy. Because I remember seeing it in the theater, and I, this is when you know we would actually go see an Adam Sandler movie in the theater, and I yes. did. And this did not make my list. I will just tell you that off offhand. It is. I, I love. I, I I grew up with Drew Barrymore, so that you dislike her, that's okay. You don't have to like her, but I love her. And they just were. Oh, and it just you know how IMDb scrolls between the stills, and then George just popped up with Grandma. Ah. Is it Grandma? The one that he's given the the <sighs> lessons that the lessons got too. paid with meatballs. Yes. Uh, yes. And and I think all the makeup's running off of George. Um, horrifying. Um, but. John, oh, John Lovitz. Of course, this is when we still like John Lovitz too. Yes. Um, just, just the little nods, all those little touches that you know it's set in the '80s. Uh, the, the, the chef that references Commissar. Um, Lives in his sister's basement. And I think that's Ben Stiller's wife that plays Drew Barrymore's friends. Mm-hmm. Chrissy Taylor. Uh, thank you. I couldn't place your name, and then Mr. Greg Gulia. Uh, with his fixation, yes, and his fixation on Miami Vice. There's just so many things. Definitely nostalgic. Let's see, that was '98, so it was only a little ways away from the '80s. But still, I'm seriously dating myself. I feel so old. Well, I'll jump in and say this is also my number five. So, uh, out of order, but nonetheless, I need to start voting on how much overlap you all are gonna have. Well, this is a film, um, it works for me on almost every level. Uh, I love the music in this movie. Even though I'm not a big 80s music fan, I do love the renditions of the songs here. Um, I think the the love story between um, Robbie and Julia is so sweet, and I love the song at the end on the plane that Billy Idol gets involved in. Um, yes. You know, I've never known that George was played by Alexis Arquette, though. Yep, um, yep. And Arquette sister. Speaking of uh, Hollywood families, right? Um, and uh, like, I mean, the comedy's great. And in fact, a regular actor in the Sandler films um, is Alan Covert, and this is one of my favorite performances of his uh, as the best friend, the limo driver, because um, he's got he's rocking the thriller <laughs> jacket at one point and. Yes. <laughs> Um, how he gives the credit card so he doesn't, you know, tell him, you know, he's like, I'll tell everybody. And he's like, what? Um, it's, it's just, it's a movie I used to put on before I would go to sleep. Like, I had the VHS and I would put it on before I'd go to sleep and just let it play through. And I'd eventually fall asleep during the movie. Nothing against the movie. Like, I was trying to go no, to no. sleep. It's but a it was comfort an, film. It's a comfort film in every way. And that's the perfect way to describe this movie. It has been a little while since I last watched it, but... Um, I could probably still sit and quote the whole thing. I, I love this film. And in fact, I got to say, looking through like my my extensive uh, fandom of rom-coms, Drew Barrymore is in several. Um, there is the other Sandler one, Fifty First Dates, that I don't love nearly as much as this one. But it was one of his last solid ones. Um, and then uh, she's in a movie uh, with Hugh Grant called Music and Lyrics that I absolutely adore uh, because Hugh Grant is so dang charming. Um but is this he? one, I think Hugh Grant is so dang charming. Um, watch Paddington too if you have any doubts. But uh, I, I he really was in Paddington too. Yeah, dude, he's mm-hmm. he's amazing in Paddington huh. too. Paddington two might be the most underseen uh, best movie from twenty eighteen. 
um, people slept on it and they will regret it because it's a it's a fantastic movie. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Wedding Singer is a great pick, Corey, and that is one that we share. I almost left it off my list. In fact, I I think of all the lists that we've made, my list has changed several times, um, and. Oh. In fact, I had this up a number, but since you went number five, I decided to go ahead and move it down because I am so comfortable with my top five that any one of them could kind of move around. But I, I went ahead and moved it down to five so I could talk about it with you. So our overlap is Oh, is the it's same. like you're in a rom-com of movie picks. Oh, that's exactly right. It's the... <laughs> <laughs> So that's... You just, you just push the, the drink cart shoved Gulia out of the way. Nobody talks to Billy that way. Julia Gulia. Um oh man, she's Julia Hart. Uh that's such a sweet thing. Was scene. it grade A beef? What? <gasps> I, in the sign oh, the part where he's walking down the street and he looks up at the window and he sees her like in her wedding dress and yes. she's talking about him, but he doesn't know that. And nope. he, then it just he goes downhill from there for a little bit. He drinks and so good. the old guy who I think well, is, is the old guy the same actor that plays Blue in Old School? I want to say it's. I, I feel like it's the guy that plays uh, Sideburns in Billy Madison. Oh, interesting. But I, I could be wrong. All I know is that you bring up those scenes and see that's I guess is the thing is thinking back when I wasn't nearly as jaded and I could imagine you know we 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 think like we don't see the whole picture and that that seems so real where he's watching her. Oddly, it's kind of creepy a little, but not, you know, it's kind of sweet, yeah. too, I guess. I mean, he's not, like, and creepily he's watching her. He wasn't. Yeah. He's, he not, just... he's not George McFly in the tree with a binocular. Correct. Oh, gosh. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's like, he's like, oh, he's heartbroken because he knows she's going to marry someone totally wrong for her. <laughs> but she's really pretending that they're being announced, that she and he are being announced. So it's really, you know, it's cool. Yeah, I like that. I Maybe this might re- restore some hope. There you go. I like it. Um, that's our Corey and my number five. So now we are going kind of out of order since I went ahead of Mike. But Mike, what is your number five romantic comedy? All right. Well, Sandra Bullock and, of all people, Bill Pullman are the romantic leads in this John Turtle uh, I had this all set and I stumbled over Turtle Top helmed film from 1995 while you were sleeping and i mean i i I feel like we talked what this movie is like so dark (laughs) no 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 let me let me go on i mean i guess it has some elements that because i mean it's to me it's odd uh, i got stuck on this i feel like we talked about the fact that he ended up going on to direct national treasure and it's such a different tone and different genre from Mm -hmm. while you were sleeping and uh Honestly, I know this is after Speed, but Sandra Bullock is who really struck stuck out to me in this. He, she endeared me to her on top of what I already liked from Speed, and f- except for a couple of missteps, I've really kind of stuck with her. Um, honestly, she's really, really natural the way she plays her character Lucy, and that you feel like she's been overlooked. It's a, a, she is just a common, everyday person, which, to be honest... I mean, looking back and really looking at her then, we all figure there's no way that anyone could really ever overlook her presence, mm-hmm. I feel. Um, and Bill Pullman is in, you mentioned playing, you know, Adam Devine playing an everyman role. I mean, talk about the everyman. With the except, I mean, 
he's pretty much been relegated for some time as playing just you know the Bill Pullman really, except for a couple turns and malice to be for one, which is you know I guess it's a lead role for him. It's Alec Baldwin, um, Nicole Kidman, and Bill Pullman, so he's kind of third tier, second tier. And Lost Highway. I mean, that's, he's not a bad actor, but I think he would have what we we might deem the Kevin Costner syndrome. You know, where it's, he's always Bill hmm. Pullman. You know, true. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he is the president, though. Let's not forget. Um, well, I he's mean, the epitome. In that film, he he did rise to the occasion, he literally in the plane and everything. Yep. And he he had to. They I don't know how he got cast as the president, but it worked. It worked. Um. In any case, it's it's a really sweet, touching film. It's not overly saccharine for me, which is really tr- kind of tricky. And I know you're saying it's dark, which... So basically what it is is, is Lucy, uh, Sandra Bullock's character, ingratiates herself into the family uh, because she's working, you know, the train ticket booth, and there's an accident. And so she kind of slides into Peter Gallagher's character, as, a, as in, like that she is having a relationship with him and you know because he's convalescing and isn't able to speak up and kind of thinks maybe he has amnesia she kind of is going in and out and really you know she kind of she kind of becomes someone Mm -hmm. and ends up falling for the brother which is bill pullman and I mean, I guess it's a little, it's just, I don't know, watching it in the theater, looking at it, it may not age well, because I've not seen it for, let's see, it's 95, so that's yeah, many, many years ago, 24 years ago, almost a quarter of a century. <sighs> I know. But it's 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 understated, it's quiet, it's quiet, it does have that dark element to it, but I wouldn't get stuck on that, I mean, no. it's me, so. Oh, I, I did see this, um, probably not in the theater, but like the year after on HBO, because I was fortunate enough to have HBO and Cinemax as a kid, and um, I definitely saw this at least once or twice, and then Friends uh, kind of played this premise a little bit. Phoebe and Monica fell in love with a guy in a coma, and they were fighting over him. Um, <sighs> yeah, so they, they, they took a similar uh, scenario, at least. And, um, Awkward. Yes, and uh, this that's, you know... But I did forget that Pullman wasn't the guy in the coma, but it doesn't necessarily make it better. Um, but it's it's been it's been a minute since I've seen it, and I do like Sandy B, and I am I am a Pullman fan for the most part. Um, you know, he doesn't get a lot of lead roles, but um, I, it's hard to ever let go of that president performance in, in Independence Day because the speech he gives was, I think, as a kid, that was like the first time I'd ever been like really moved by a speech. You know, like. I mean, aside from, like, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but, like, as far as, like, in a movie where a character was just, like, trying to give that inspirational speech, I remember watching it and being like, yes, yes, Mr. President, that's exactly what we'll do. So, you know. Um, <laughs> Today is our Independence Day. <laughs> exactly. I, can't, yeah. I, I don't have a Bo Pullman voice because it's only his. He does have a very that's... unique voice. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, that's one. I've seen Corey. Have you seen while you were sleeping? Yes, I ah. haven't seen it in a long time either. Um, I just remember her being in the hospital room with him and his family not knowing her. Yeah, like yeah. his mom so she, and stuff. Right, because I mean, she had she wasn't her his girlfriend in any way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, is yeah. there? A, I can't remember the motive for like had she had a crush on him, 
And I think so. I think she saw him on a daily basis Got going it. through the ticket booths and probably had these imagination. You know how people fantasize and just I don't I don't know Peter Gallagher. I mean I guess it's because I'm not Sandra Bullock. I'm not eyeing Peter Gallagher up that way. Um, and so she's just she dove in like an op, opportunistic vulture on some <laughs> carrion. She did. Never would have thought Sandra Bullock would be described that way. Okay. <laughs> hey, I love her. Culture. Okay. I love her. I, know. I just, you know, I can still, I can, st- I can be that honest with her. And he's, he's speaking of her character. To be fair, yeah, I know. Unless she actually, <laughs> funny, she actually did this, and that would be kind of creepy. But um, I think we would, I think we would have read about that. TMZ would be on top of that. Yeah, most likely. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, as as we said, my number five was the wedding singer. So now we move back to Corey. Corey, what is your number four top five romantic comedy? Oh, man. We watched this for a movie club, and I've only seen it once, but I really want to see it again. I couldn't leave it off. I went with Amelie. Okay. Um, um, Amelie, what uh, What made you put Amelie down? I love that she goes so out of her way for people that she thinks are good or deserve to have good things happen for them. Um, even if she gets a little creepy and stalkerish, it's fine. <laughs> that seems to be a theme. What? She like is was it his notebook that she's trying to get back to him, and then or it's his little box of stuff that she found in her wall, and she uh, like the first guy, yeah. Yeah, she meets up with him on like some, I don't know, like some fountain thing, but she doesn't want him to know it's her, so she's like watching him. It's just. I don't know. It's it's fine. She's a little yeah, creepy. But that's not the one she's like in love with, though. That's just she's just returning this box she found. Um, mm-hmm. Like, but Amelie uh, was one that I definitely debated putting on my list. Um, one because I love the aesthetic style. Um, it's and so it's, beautiful. Uh, Jean Pierre Genois, who also did Delicatessen and City of Lost Children. Um, and it's just it's just a fun, quirky movie with has. These little quirky conceits with narration, um, yeah, it's just great. Uh, um, Audrey Tatou, Tattoo, Tattoo, who is also in the Da Vinci Code. We won't hold that against her. Um, oh, I didn't know that she was in that. I didn't yeah. know she was in other movies. Yes, I know. It's it's hard to associate her as anything other That's than. That's really, She really needs yeah. to be in more movies. And I let me admit this to your to your reactions that whatever reactions you have. I've not watched this, and I need to. And I, I love feel like her. You'd love it. I I I love her. Just uh, just from the previews and just the quirkiness out of of her character. This is a me movie that I've oh, totally yeah. missed the boat on. This <sighs> um I've seen this now. Yeah, I think, see, listen three to times. the judgment. Listen. To the no, judgment. I just feel like if you watched it, you would love it. it oh, I know, I know, and I've... I have no idea why I've not watched it yet. It's the craziest thing. Yeah, I don't it's... even. <laughs> it's one that I try to tell everyone, especially um, I, I feel like there's an Edgar Wright uh, stylistic connection to this film, oh, which this okay. predates his uh, movies by a couple of years. And I think um, some of the editing choices and the uh, the energy that the film has reminds me of Wright's style, um, which obviously, if you know anything about me, Wright is my favorite director. His movies feel like they were custom tailored to my taste and uh, Amelie, it was very similar. Um, it also makes Amelie makes me feel cultured because it's a French film, so I get to read subtitles. Which um, <laughs> reading subtitles it. in a movie that is so much fun 
is a really cool experience because I feel like I'm I'm doing something extra, but I'm having a great time doing it. So it's it's fun. But yeah, um, a- excellent choice and definitely fits the uh, romance and comedy elements of the film. Yes, I just love everything about it. Like her dad not wanting to travel, so she takes his gnome everywhere and takes photos with it. Or oh, has man. she yeah. she steals the gnome and has a her flight attendant friend. Flight attendant. Oh, yeah. that's gotta that has to have been what inspired them because isn't that what someone does? The Travelocity, I think, is the uh, okay. Oh, oh. I wonder if they ripped it off or if they borrowed from Travelocity. That... No, it, this was before Travelocity. Well, Travel this came Ocity. out in 2001. Yeah. So, oh, Travel... Which, mm. For some reason, I was thinking this movie came out in, like, 97 or 98. I it's don't know It's still legal now. It's a legal movie. It's 18 now. <laughs> Can't handle it. Well, I think... Um, last I checked, this was on Netflix. Um, oh, good. Then I need to watch it. You totally need to watch it. And there's something else... Uh, that we were talking about. That, oh, Annie Hall is on Netflix right now, too. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. well, that, again, and so I this can't. will just be a dead giveaway. What? Corey uh, hates Woody Allen with, like, many people. Oh, yeah, okay. I just well, can't. And Mabel's here, and she's going wild, so. Because we said Ma- Woody Allen? Yeah, she's trained him. If he ever shows up, <laughs> the cat will lash out on command. Mabel, <laughs> Mabel's a boy? No, she's a girl. No, I said if he, like if Woody Allen ever showed up at Corey's house, Mabel would. I thought you said she trained him. Oh, Corey trained. No, I don't know what I said now. Mabel (laughs) will attack Woody Allen on command. That is the, uh, you know. Quit quit saying it. Mabel's going to be in a, have a a connection. She's she's in a gang. (laughs) Kidding. Is she? (laughs) This has totally derailed. Poor Woody Allen. He's got cat gangs after him now. (laughs) I feel like he deserves it. <laughs> Oof. Okay, not poor Woody Allen. He deserves it. All right. Yes. So that's Amelie. <laughs> uh, Mike, definitely add that to your watch list. Because um, I've watched a couple of movies that you've recommended uh, recently, in fact. Um, most recently, I watched Bend It Like Beckham, which is a film you've been talking about, I think, since the beginning of this podcast uh, to me. And I finally, you know, gave it a watch, and I was very glad that I did. Not a wrong call, but... Parmendor Nagra life um really Dang. really good movie the one that i i skipped thinking it was just gonna be a dumb soccer movie and boy was i mistaken um no, so freddie is just part of the background and i bring that up again just to enforce you should totally watch amelie and i, I say give annie hall a, a, a watch because annie hall's i i need to i need to both of them are classics in their own way yep except you know no one in amelie to my knowledge has been accused of anything as predatory as woody allen so wow see and you say i'm dark see we're going there <laughs> i mean i'm not to discount the poor people that hey Corey that trained happened. her cat to kill a man so let's move on <laughs> oh my god uh, uh, <laughs> i'm gonna have the fbi at my house so the fbi agents are enjoying this this evening they're they're just taking forget notes. forget Forget declaring a national emergency at the southern border. We have cats, man killing cats. <laughs> that who that's needs a wall, right? Danger. Like <laughs> that's the real danger. The danger is already within our American borders. Right. All right, um, let's move on to number four for Mike. Mike, what is your number four romantic All comedy? Right. In this pick, it was Cameron Diaz, and certainly not. Ooh. And I emphasize not julia roberts that was the draw for me and ah, best friend's wedding my best friend's wedding yes from 1997 yes yes i know people are probably going to be wanting to fawn over miss roberts and i just 
wasn't one of those people. Uh, even if I eventually warmed up to Pretty Woman, uh, now woman. see, and most everybody do uh, does. I am lukewarm to it. I don't completely love the thing. I one of those inappropriate movies I watched as a child. Me too. Oh, yeah, I watched a lot as a kid. This is why you train your cats to kill men. <laughs> That's right. Um, so. Like I said, I did not completely love Pretty Woman. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, uh, the, and this is part, I guess, part of why it makes this film work. I mean, you go in, Julia Roberts is the person at that time, because she's not really done a whole lot lately, that you wanted to root for. You wanted her to get with her t- the titular, titular uh, best friend. But yet, as the film goes on, you clearly start to see the flaws in her, her humanity, the conflict that she basically creates for herself because she's you know she is stuck on this pact that if she's not married by a certain age then you know she and her best friend is going to marry going to get married but that's not the case Dermot Mulroney is what like a crutch kind of yeah that's the backup plan and Dermot Mulroney you know hey Julie Roberts isn't too bad of a backup plan I suppose but, you know, and then there's also, you know, the bunch of characters that appear throughout the movie. It is a wedding that's going on after all. And there's several different scenes where you can see family dynamics going on. Plus, I mean, just this isn't even a family character, but just a quick moment between Julia Roberts and Paul Giamatti in a hotel mm. hallway. And just evokes, at the risk of sounding, again, aging myself, it just evokes the feels. It's very simply done really understated and this is you know long before any of us knew who paul giamatti was and now, you know and now he's gone on to do other things oh yeah and it just works uh, you know and you can also <coughs> lastly and this is also an added bonus feature you can be privy to cameron diaz's terrible karaoke singing which <laughs> you could also tune into and for uh into uh, a life left ordinary if you wanted to as well so all around, and that's not even mentioning Rupert Everett, who at that time we figured would be the next James Bond. Um, Dermot Rooney, he wasn't too bad, but it, this was definitely a, a Julia Roberts vehicle who I was not a huge fan of. But for me, Cameron Diaz was the draw, and I've since she's not my draw anymore. But anyway. Oh, well, I I have seen this. Um, it sounds like Corey, you have as well. Saw it in theaters. Oh wow, I did not see it in theaters, but um... me too. I, I am a fan of Julia Roberts. In fact, um, Wonder from uh, I think two years ago. Um, oh, she, I, that, yes. Yeah, she kind of reminded me how great she can be in that film because it'd been a few yeah. years since I'd last seen a, a Julia Roberts movie that I really liked, and um, her performance right. there won me over severely, and um, or what reminded me of how much I enjoyed her. Um, because I, I saw this, and then there was the Runaway Bride was around the same time. I think. Oh no, no thanks. Yeah, Thank I, I prefer this one for sure. But I saw a yeah. lot of the, her rom coms when I and like Corey said, I was I was what Pretty Woman's is it ninety one or is it earlier than that? Oh, I is thought it, it was eighty nine. Uh, I think something. I was thinking eighty nine. I was torn between the two, so I think I saw it in ninety. So I was like eight years old oh, no, when I saw 90. Pretty Woman. Oh, okay, then I oh, probably wow. saw it ninety one. So I was you know nine years old. Um, very young, and probably shouldn't have been watching a movie about a prostitute. Uh, yeah, you know, a, a Cinderella prostitute story, essentially. Um, and, hey, there reminds me. We need to check out that new place, the Dill House. Oh boy. Um. So that's a weird. Uh, oh, I'm uncomfortable. So. Um, <laughs> I still love the. I love her with the like, 
what was it the disc what was it called when it was a cassette and she's like in the bathtub and she's singing the prince song oh yeah hey, <laughs> i know we're switching over to we are we're is... talking i almost put pretty woman on my list but nah, no uh, stop it um like richard gear's gotta pay for someone to, for a week <laughs> uh, 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 he needed directions okay calm down um what? I yes. Mr. American she... Gigolo, Mr. American Gigolo needed to. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, well, Suspension of the... disbelief out the window. Stop! Stop it! Um, I remember from this movie. I haven't seen it in a very long time. I don't know if I've seen it after I saw it in theaters, but I remember the scene where she's literally chasing him, and they're like, "He's chasing her, and you're chasing him, and there's no one chasing you." Yeah. And then I think that was like her turning point. Right. But... The realization. It's like the lights go. Out. She's like, oh. Yeah, and I liked Rupert ever a lot, um, mm-hmm. and I, he was like in a lot of stuff around this time. Then I felt like he kind of he fell off, and I can't remember off. why that was. He was really good, and yeah, yeah. It's a name that like I can't place him outside of that. I can't even place him in that movie to be honest. But um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it just happens. Sometimes it's uh, their choice. They just walk away from from the profession. <laughs> Well, but, I want to I want to say that he was also in something called Cemetery Man. It was like a weird yes. zombie. He wasn't okay. A weird zombie one that I, I kind of I think I watched it when I was in a, a, kind of dozing off and my mind kind of filled in the blanks. And so the movie I remember is probably very far removed from the movie it actually was. And so I need to watch that again. All right. Well, that's Mike's number four is uh, my best friend's wedding. I'm coming to a newer film for my number four uh, from 2012. It's a movie that if you've listened to this podcast, you know I am a fan of. But more importantly, it's the male lead that really won me over in terms of the rom-com aspect uh, played by Skylar Astin. And that's Pitch Perfect. <clears throat> the first one. And it's um, – I- I've said it. Skylar Astin in that movie makes me giggle. And I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with my sexuality to be okay with saying that Skylar Ashton may have been my man crush for a little while. So, with that, Pitch Perfect, phenomenal. I love the music. I love that his character loves movies and wants to score movies when he graduates from college. Because I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I kind of love movies, like, a whole lot. He's he's your hetero life no mate. He's right. your hetero life mate. Who's probably a good ten years younger than me, but you know, whatever. Um, He's your kept kept hetero life mate. <laughs> but Anna Kendrick is also always charming. Um, she's in a mm. bunch of rom-coms that I could also have picked a couple of other ones, and I will actually mention one in my honorable mentions. But um, I, I this was a movie that I had no interest in when it came out, and I don't remember. I think my students were talking about it so much that I was like, maybe I should give this a watch, and I rented it. My wife and I sat and watched it, and I was hooked immediately. I was smiling. I was loving the the music. A lot of it's you know older songs being redone. Um, the, there's some amazing performances, and it's also the first time I was introduced to Adam Devine, I believe. Um, and it was definitely Rebel Wilson's my first acknowledgement of her. I think she might have. I don't remember what year Bridesmaids came out, but I think she was in that either first or around the same time as this. And um, but she's a very small part in Bridesmaids. Like she's Kristen Wiig's roommate's sister, sister? or something. But Which makes us absolutely nothing. Correct. <laughs> nice. Nice. Good pull. Um, but yeah, I loved uh, Pitch Perfect and the premise. Becca, who's Anna Kendrick's um, character, is uh, 
you know, going to this college, but she really wants to go and be a music producer. And her dad, who's a teacher at the school, encourages her to try to branch out. And then she meets uh, Jesse. And um, their love is, it's so natural and organic. And one of my favorite things, when while the sequel's not on my list, in the second movie, when you expect um, most likely either a rehash or for their relationship to be, like, falling apart, not it does not happen. Their relationship is never an issue in the movie. Like, in, it's it's almost like he's not even in the movie because their relationship is so solid and firm. It's, like, the only c- cemented thing in her life. Everything else around her, mainly the acapella group and her uh, future, are at risk, but not her and Jesse. And I love that they did that because a lot of times sequels just – they have to rehash the it's, exact same plot points. Uh, it's, it's too – it's lazy writing. It's too easy to f- fall into that. So it's actually good that they did that. Though. Exactly. But the third movie, on the other hand, is awful. So you can skip the third mm. pitch perfect. Um, but mm. the first two are solid, and the first one is a classic in my opinion. Um, even though it's only six or seven years ago, um, it just – it's it holds up. It's fun. It's a lot of – great me i still listen to the soundtrack from time to time because the songs are great i love some of their renditions and um again it's just a really funny and enjoyable movie being one and i don't know if you're familiar with boca which is uh <laughs> boca best uh, boca best of college acapella oh which is what i believe the acronym is for and they did i don't know if they continually released that but for a long time that was on my watch list of Boca, any Boca releases because it was college acapella groups and as the name mm. suggests and this is long before Pitch Perfect so you would think that with my affinity for that I would have jumped on it and I've yet to do so and well you've, I mean, you've expressed that you're not a big fan of uh, Rebel not Wilson a big fan. I am not I am an Anna Kendrick fan but I don't know that it's been enough to draw me to it maybe I should change my mind um, but definitely, I'd watch Emily over Pitch Perfect. Well, I would say um, Amelie's definitely a better overall movie. Uh, but something with Pitch Perfect, um, I've watched this a lot too. My whole family loves this movie, or at least my daughter may have grown out of it now. She might be too cool for it. But back in the day, this was a regular, like throw it on in the background while we were doing stuff kind of movie. Uh, and all of us would sit and watch it kind of thing. So, um, hmm. and I would say Rebel Wilson. Uh, w- this is one of her less obnoxious roles she is a a background character and she doesn't get to improv some of her dialogue like she will in the second one she's a little more prominent in the third one they give her way too much uh, of the story (laughs) um and john lithgow plays her father in the third one it's so brutal and he has a horrible australian accent it's it's bad it's just stupid um Did, did he go acting no, but he should have. Um, it's <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's my number four, uh, Corey. You didn't say anything. I think you've seen Pitch Perfect. I think I I have. It was pretty funny. I feel like Anna Kendrick never gets to be as funny as she is in real life in movies. Mm. She, I have cried watching her in, you know, interviews and stuff. And then I don't know. I felt like Pitch Perfect is. I don't want to rewatch it, but. It was fun when I was watching it, I guess, oh. and I didn't feel like Rebel Wilson was obnoxious in it. No, she's not in the in the first one. Um, she has some funny parts. I'm, sideways I running. Seen the second one too, actually on a plane traveling, mm. probably home. Sideways, sideways running. 
Yeah, you gotta see the whole thing, but you know, she's, okay. uh, they're supposed to be doing cardio, and like, she gets the, uh, head acapella girl who was played by, um, wait, what's her name? Anna Camp, um, catches her hiding in between, like, the, the seats, and she's like, what are you doing? She's like, sideways running, and she just starts, like, kicking her feet while she's laying on it on the ground. It's little jokes like that that work um, better than some of her other wow. longer-winded jokes. It, it's in wow. the context of a montage. It's funny. I could see <laughs> me doing that. Plus, I got to give credit to Anna Camp there because Anna Camp's reaction to it really sells the joke more than the joke itself. Like, her reaction, she's just like, sideways running. Like, she's, like, really, like, That's a confused. Thing? Yeah, like, she's like, is that for real? I can't tell. Like, she doesn't want to be insulting, but yeah. Um, which I I believe, and I don't know if they're still together, but Anna Camp and Skylar Aston were an item in real life, uh, thanks to Instagram. I know that, but um, you know, pitch perfect <laughs> romances. So, all right, let's move on to Corey's number three romantic comedy. Okay, um, huh. I didn't expect to like this movie, and I didn't even see it in theaters because I didn't feel like the trailer really sold me anything I wanted to see. But I went with my big fat Greek wedding. Mm. I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm and I don't know. I like even if you were I were to describe to someone, I don't feel like I could do it justice because it's just so funny. And I love her whole family. I'm glad that I'm not in a family that big. It would give me anxiety. But <laughs> I love all of their traditions and them trying to welcome her to be husband into the family. Uh, her father is resistant, of course, at first, but it just, I don't know, the comedy in it hits all the right mm-hmm. tones for me. I love when she brings him home and, oh, I don't eat meat, and oh, I'll give you lamb, and um, <laughs> the way, yeah, because that's not an animal. Um, that's, not, that's not meat. Yeah, it doesn't have eyeballs. Um, I what, what, huh? <laughs> Eyeballs, organs, like, I don't know. Um uh, and I still, Bill and I still, <laughs> this is so awkward. I'll see you guys next time. Um, um, I, Bill and I still joke about Windex, guys. Uh, you know, it's, don't, it's okay. Uh, the, the crazy Greek right here up the road from where we're at has never not had a bottle of Windex right there at the door. <laughs> okay. You know, I've never seen this one. Um, I think oh. I've seen... I've seen parts what? of it, but it, like you said, Corey, it did not interest me when it was coming to the theater, and uh, I don't think I bought into the comedy element in the trailer. I think I was looking at it as straight romance, and those I tend to avoid more. It also came out in 2002, when I would have been in college and a little cynical, and probably been like, rom-coms or chick flicks, and later I would be like, oh, you know what? I really love rom-coms. What a stupid college kid I was. Um, and I just haven't gone back to it as of now. I do know uh, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, I think, are attached to this as producers as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I believe you're correct. I believe that is correct. Yeah, I, I know they were for them. sure on the sequel, but I, I'm fairly confident that they were involved with the first one. Um, yeah, and obviously this is a movie that a lot of people love. I just have not I, given it a chance. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It's been a while. The sequel was okay. Um, but definitely, I guess I would guess you could call it that comedy of manners. You know, he's coming into being non-Greek and just kind of being thrown 
to the wolves, so to speak, and having to acclimate and adapt. And I mean, whatever happened to Nia Vardalos from my big factory wedding? Um, it looks like she's done some voice acting. Um, she was in the new Ducktales. Uh, on oh. Disney, and it looks like she was in some movie called Charming, and Star versus the something of evil. I can't read it. She's done some TV. Oh, animated. Interesting. Yep. Okay. But yeah. Oh, I guess she was on Jane the Virgin too. Oh, I did. I did not know that. Huh. Yeah. So it looks like yeah, she's had a pretty good career in TV. It seems, including the uh, Big Fat Greek Wedding TV series, which I forgot yeah, was a thing. That didn't last, did it? I don't think so. I didn't even see the. But uh, she also she one. wrote the script um, for this movie, so that's mm-hmm. interesting too. That hmm. is. I did. Well, it's been a long time since I've watched this, and I, but I remember distinctly watching, really enjoying it. Again, not my genre, my genre, but when it's really well done, you can't help but like the thing, and it, it was really well done. <laughs> yep, I need to watch it. Um, I'll make sure to uh, add this to my future watch list. Just do it. Oh my gosh, and I forgot Joey Fatoni, <laughs> whatever his name is from NSYNC, um, isn't it? Fatone? That would be Joey Fat One. Oh. I know that's how it's spelled. No, <laughs> no that's what he says. He jokes like that too. It's Fat hilarious. One? Oh no. Well, that's what he calls. Let's go to Mike's number three <laughs> before we get too deep into the Fatone. <laughs> <laughs> In the into the you don't want to get into the fat ones. What's wrong with you? <laughs> okay, all right. So, having knowingly admitted that my, in my last pick that I am not a Julia Roberts super fan, uh, and I'm certainly not on the you know on board with a Pretty Woman bandwagon. Um, here we are with a pick that stars Julia Roberts um, and Mr. Charming that you mentioned earlier, Hugh Grant. In 1999's Notting Hill, mm-hmm. the the only thing I'd have difficulty with, and again, this is something I even mentioned with Richard Garamis, there's no way that either I feel that Roberts or Grant would have the difficulties that they have in this. However, I mean, I, I guess that's the point um, because Julia Roberts basically kind of plays a version of herself. She's an A-list Hollywood star who's courted by this mild-mannered bookshop owner. Mm-hmm. Um, just in a very specific niche bookshop to be spe- uh, to, to be truthful because there's a part in the film where someone comes in and he, he does it all the time. He, he does it to irritate Hugh Grant's character. And, and it plays on the interactions between them two, between them two getting to know one another, but getting to know one each other's friends, allowing one another into each other's worlds. And it's it's re- it's such a neat thing to see. It's not, it's a slow burn. It doesn't jump right, you know. And and there, there's a lot of trepidation on Julia Roberts' part, uh, her character's part, because you know she is this actress and she's always going to be suspicious of people uh, because of that. And that you know I, I can't I don't even know how people in Hollywood even maintain. You know, you mentioned Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. You know, they've been together how long? And that is just so mm-hmm. uncommon. Yeah, it uh, is. in in the entertainment industry, and so obviously you you, you know that's probably going to be on her that character's mind, and probably reading too much into it. But I think that's done deliberately, and and, and even though it's a slow moving film, not, and I'm not saying that it's a bad boring film, there there's a reward you wait for it. Uh, the chemistry shows between them, and it works really well. But 
on top of that, those additional characters, those glue kind of characters that Kevin Smith likes to call certain people the glue of the film, and this film would be really hollow without it. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's a roommate character and best friend, a best friend that ended up with an ex-girlfriend character that, you know, and then they tie this all together, and, you know, it would just be so much more hollow, as hollow as, you know, what is being passed off as TV to us. Uh, it's more real, you know, even though I know it's a Hollywood production and kind of goes, there's just the way that the emotions and the interactions between people just work so well all around in it. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen this in a while. Um, I did see it, uh, as I am, as I mentioned, I'm a Hugh Grant fan, although I've not seen all of his movies. Um, this was one, I think one of the earlier ones that I did see and I, I do like Julia Roberts. Um, so when I watched, um, I can't remember if I saw it on basic cable or not, though. I may have actually just had to sit through all the commercials being, you know, intersected into it. But um, it's a movie that I think I tried to, like, act like I didn't like. Because, again, the time frame. But I definitely did. Um, I ne- I haven't rewatched this, though. And I wouldn't mind giving it a go. So, as the uh, 36-year-old version of myself, I have com- become very comfortable with my enjoyment of these type of movies. So... Might need to revisit it and um, you know see if how much more it clicks with me as an adult. I I think I well, there's parts and little lines between. Like I said, it's all about the interactions and what, how they speak to one another and just bits and pieces and some of it. Um, I don't consider myself an overly emotional person, but just scenes that come up, I'm like. Because there's there's a part um, that that they're talking with he's talking with his friends and something had happened to one of them, and uh, it just was like wow and that seems it just works and you know for for a film of this genre to get to me then some they're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Mike's number three. Moving on to mine, we're going back a ways, guys. We're gonna travel to 1960 for my movie um it's called the apartment directed by billy wilder stars jack lemon shirley mm. mclean fred mcmurray in a very rare role uh, as he's most famous for my three dads um or mm-hmm. not my three dads my mm-hmm. three sons my sorry three sons. R- wrong wrong way um was, <laughs> three dads is the more modern film uh yes there, there was, was. yes there was I, I i watched that as a kid um but <laughs> i'm a big fan of billy wilder's stuff What's really interesting with Billy Wilder is he he is all over the place because he'll do a rom com, but then he'll do like uh, Double Indemnity, which is one of the best noir films, if not the best noir film. Um, and um, he did Some Like It Hot, which was another one that I considered for this list, um, which I just watched recently even. But um, I can't remember. I, I think it was last year's Oscars or the year before. I was watching and they they mentioned The Apartment, and I was kind of thrown that I hadn't seen it. Um, and I bought it. <clears throat> and um man it clicked with me um i only knew jack lemon as an older actor for the most part uh until recently i, I watched grumpy old men and um I, there was another one or two movies that he did late with uh with Matthau. i think i saw those and i liked him but i didn't know his younger uh performances and man the apartment is just terrific um he is kind of the his his apartment 
is used by all the guys in his job as a uh, bachelor pad because he is a bachelor. He lives alone, so they'll bring their uh, floozies back, you know, to the his apartment to have the affairs. And he didn't really want to agree, but he kind of feels pressured to the opportunities that are uh, coming to him by allowing people to utilize his apartment. So the thing is, he's alone. When he finally takes interest in a girl, he starts trying to uh, get out of letting people use his apartment because he doesn't want, you know, to not be able to use his own apartment if something were to click with this girl. But then there becomes a love triangle um, where the girl that he's into is already into somebody else. And it's a heartbreaking moment when he realizes it. And then the way the story plays out, um, there are some darker tones, which is, I think, coming from Billy Wilder's uh, perspective. He is not a straightforward, gonna just do one movie. He's gonna build a story, and the story, real life, has ups and downs. You know, there are moments of pure comedy, and there are some moments of darker elements. And it was pointed out to me recently by Big Tuna, um, who just watched this as part of the Take Six Challenge that I recommended this film to him, is he thought it played a little too loose with uh, Suicide. Mm. That some of the jokes he didn't feel held up. I didn't notice that when I watched it. I mean, I definitely noticed the Suicide stuff. I, I didn't think of it as distasteful when I watched it, but um, I could be wrong for sure. and Or maybe I was just... Uh, into the movie and just was going with what the characters were doing. But um, I, I've been wanting to rewatch this since I saw it because I really did enjoy it the first time. And it's it's a classic rom-com, so I thought I would throw it on my list. <laughs> I've never seen it. However, speaking of Jack Lemmon, you still need to watch Glengarry Glenn Ross. Yes, I do. And 12 Angry Men, actually. Both oh, wow. are on my need-to-watch list. Um, I think we might have Glengarry Glenn Ross coming up at some point this year. I'm not 100% if that's right, but we've mm. got our movie club schedule pretty much set in stone for the year. But if mm. I can squeeze that in uh, to the movie club, I would, I'd like to do that. But, uh, and Corey, I take it you've not seen The Apartment? I haven't. I'm glad I had uh, – this is rare for me to have such an old movie on my top five list. So um, I like breaking out of my comfort zone. So there you go, folks. Uh, the Apartment, 1960, and last I checked, I believe it was on Amazon Prime. Ooh, um, okay. So I I think that's how Big Tuna watched it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so if you have Prime, check it out. Uh, Corey, what is your number two rom-com? Okay, definitely talked about this movie before, but I had to go with 1993's Benny and June. Ooh. Um, I, is that, a, is that disapproval? No, no. Um, I just hated it, but I'm, no, it's not disapproval. Go on, I'll let you. I'm okay. gonna let you finish. But... I love this movie. I love the cast so much. Um, this was back when I loved Johnny Depp, um, and he was my favorite actor. That happened at one. That was a thing once. I love Aiden Quinn and Mary Stuart Masterson as um, siblings, and I love how, you know, um, they end up inviting his character into their lives through a poker game with the guys at the garage that he works at again it's quirky um june has mental illness and, and benny tries to take care of her i just love this movie so much i've never seen this all the way through um, oh, i wish i put it on my list why? Oh, no. So you didn't have said, it. Oh. Yeah, so you didn't have it. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, it's one that I, I I know I watched parts of it, 
But yeah, um, I've never gone back to it. It's on Prime, I think, also right now, if I'm not mistaken. It's on something because I've been eyeballing it, thinking I should watch it. I think it. you're right. And um, I just haven't yet. And I don't know. Um, I like that that era Johnny Depp for sure. You know, we got Edward Scissorhands and um, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, and obviously the uh, there's a lot of tribute to silent film. I believe his character is influenced by um, um, Buster. Buster Keaton heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like I would totally enjoy this because I, I do like Buster Keaton quite a bit. Um, and I just haven't gone to it. I don't know what's kept me from it um, for so, so long. But it's one that I've not seen and uh, a regret, I would say. Maybe it's Johnny Depp um, burnout. Could be. Um, but this is Johnny Depp pre, you know, overexposed Johnny Depp. And then there's the Mary Stuart Masterson factor because I just love her. What was she in just recently that I just dropped everything? I'm like, I'm watching this. Um, And Aiden Quinn is a huge favorite of both my wife and not mine. So um, him and his late brother who was on the first season of Angel, um, they were both great. Well, he's great. I mean, Aiden Quinn's still doing work. But... Uh, the reason I kind of was because I almost put it on my list but then I was like because it seemed more serious but sure enough IMDb has it comedy drama romance so it's a rom-com according to them and I mean it does have one of the things though you know it it, it cleans up real neat and tidy at the end do you know what I mean because I think everything no loose ends yeah yeah and to be truthful I, I in my mind, I always would be worried between the Johnny Depp and Mary Stuart Masterson characters. What would happen? I mean, that's because that's a that's a whole driving point of Aiden Quinn's because he's wonders he's very protective of his sister, which most brothers would be. And then on top of that, you know, um, they're both mentally ill, so there is that. Yeah, that seems like a dark premise. Um... I think that they do a really good job balancing all the emotion and all of that in the story, yeah. though. Yeah, and we I, got agree. I agree with you for sure. Julianne Moore, Dan Hedaya is in it. I mean, it's a solid <gasps> I forgot about Julianne Moore. I forgot she's about the her. waitress and she serves him tapioca pudding. Ew, tapioca. I know, I can't eat tapioca pudding. I it's love disgusting, tapioca. But... What? I don't, remember, I don't remember what movie or TV show where they said they put fish eyes in the tapioca. And ever since then, I cannot see that as any other thing, so I just can't. Um, it's kind of like why clam chowder makes me nervous because of Fight Club. So that's oh, it. But um, it, that, I'm surely hoping. You know what? We just had that for our one eight course meal thing, and now I really enjoyed. Thanks a lot. <laughs> hey, you knew the rules. We don't talk about Fight Club. So only clean food, please. Yep. Um. Benny and June from 1993, Corey's number two, which isn't surprising because, like she said, that was when she was a Depp fanatic um, before he, you know, lost her fandom. Um, let's go to Mike's number two. Mike, what do you got? Um, well, never in my lifetime would I have ever imagined a romance between Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt. Oh, and yet 1997's As Good As It Gets has it, and it works so well. Um, I Just like I mentioned in Notting Hill, it's... It's not the only the leads because Jack Nicholson. How can you go wrong? He rarely derails and does badly in a oh. role with 
you know, uh, uh, these lead uh, uh, and Helen Hunt coming off of Twister and other other work. I'm mad about you. Um, just, but it's not just them. Um, again, it's the other characters, the Cuba Gooding Jr., Greg Kinnear, Harold Ramis in a small little bit part, Yardley Smith from The Simpsons, who you, you know, you're like, whoa, and you would never imagine. Um, oh, I put Harold Ramis twice on my list. Julie Benz uh, from Dexter and hmm. a little bit uh, part on Buffy and I want to say maybe even Angel. Just the, a blink and you'll miss it part, although it's difficult to not be able to remember the interaction if you don't recall the part between her and Jack Nicholson's Melvin Udall, who is an author. He plays an author in it. She, she's fawning over him and wondering how she, how he writes a woman so well. And he, you know, he whips around and gives. And I, I do a bad Jack Nicholson, so it's like, I think of a man, and I take away reason and accountability, Smart. and then. Yeah, and, he's, <laughs> and and then she's just kind of you know sitting there shocked, and that's just one of the many many quotable quotes. There's so the list of quotes in it is so long. Uh, the cell crazy somewhere else. We're all stuck up here when the neighbor's trying to get him to help out his neighbor and be neighborly, who he's never going to do that until he gets kind of threatened by Cuba Gooding Jr.'s uh, character. <laughs> I mean, it's it's worth viewing alone for some of those throwaway lines and this. Being a James L. Brooks, I mean, he's had a long history of ro- romance dramas slash rom-coms, so this is not surprising. It's just, I remember seeing it in the theater. I, it's one of those that I will stop and drop, stop, uh, drop everything just to watch, and watch to this scene. I'm like, nope, now I got to get to that next part. And I mean, this, uh, I mean, we're going back to mental illness, and Jack Nicholson's character is in the midst of that. And this one line, um, because he's just the char- he's not a likable character in any way. So that Helen Hunt's character is, is even graceful as she is to him is surprising. It's just, uh, but just she at one point just had they had a such a bad evening interaction between the, the two of them. She just needs to hear something from him to you know mm-hmm. at least maybe make it turn it around and make it better and then he comes up with you make me want to be a better man oh man that line is and great. and yeah he's like you know trying to take the medication and trying to be better because of her i mean wow <laughs> yeah that was my from him introduction to uh ocd um as a kid too like I saw this on VHS, I guess it would have been, in uh, 98 probably, because it came out in 97. Um, and I, I definitely didn't want to watch this. My I remember my aunt had it. Um, I was with my cousins and my aunt, and she was watching it. And I don't think I was in. And like I, I like Jack Nicholson because he was the Joker um, when I was that age. That's like what I knew him as. And I don't remember what made me sit down and shut up. But I, I remember watching it and being completely hooked I, I think i might have even tried to like act like i didn't want to watch it and like sit in the adjacent room and then gravitated towards the tv as i was sucked into the plot and the performances because i i haven't seen this in a long time but i've never forgot this movie um it left such a lasting impression and it is it is a comedy but you don't that's not the first thought i had with it either you know and that's i think why this genre sometimes maybe gets hate is i think we often think of it as so so campy and so silly we think a lot of the bad examples the the mcconaughey 
falters, you know, those rom-coms that he did that were not good. A lot of the Jennifer Lopez rom-coms are not good. Um, you know, those those are the ones that give the genre a bad taste in people's mouths. And then again, some people love those, don't get me wrong. Obviously, there's a place for those movies, too. But I think when people say they hate this genre, those are the movies that they're usually thinking of. Not films like this, where there is so much quality, so much character work, and just, I mean... Think of Jack Nicholson's career, and this movie is up there for him. You know, it's like, and you wouldn't think that about a rom com that that would be Jack Nicholson, who's the the Joker, who's in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, who's in Chinatown, would have a rom com that's as memorable as some of those big movies that he's been in. And it, it is the the performance that he gives in this film is really strong. Um, it might have been the first time I saw Greg Kinnear, and he's in some amazing things. Um, I think uh, Little Miss Sunshine being one of my favorites of Kinnear's. If I'm not screwing that up, I don't think I am. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, just really great pick, Mike. I, I didn't even think about this when thinking of rom-coms, but definitely a good movie. I I, I don't know that I own it, and I, I kind of would like to watch. Uh, you, you're talking about bringing up hope, and, oh, this, this one does because there's a lot of stuff going on in it beyond just the romance. And I think that's what it is, is if you just focus on just the romance, it gets a little stale, a little boring. And this does not. There's And, and I feel like the ones we've been talking about are much more than just a simple romance. Yeah. Corey, have you seen it? Not in a very long time when it first came out for like home viewing. Yeah. That's I want to rewatch it. I need to rewatch it because I, I appreciated it when I was in high school, and I can't imagine how much... Uh, more it could uh, impact me now because if I remember correctly, because uh, Kinnear's character is gay, right? And yes, mm-hmm. yes, that's that's Which a major a plot, major plot point, mm-hmm. and his interaction between his parents and himself because there's basically um, he he's an artist and has you know spots kids to be models, and it's nothing you know salacious. Yeah. He's just as a model. And as a result, he gets mugged and very violently assaulted um, and robbed from. And that's what it's the impetus from for him, you know, trying to reach out to Melvin. And there's that whole aspect again. Again, it's beyond romance. It's kind yeah. of a budding friendship. And I think that's for the time period, too. I think they handle that very well, if I remember correctly. And I may not, but it, it, it seems like. Yeah, I oh, definitely. I Yes, I agree yeah. 90s movies and the treatment of homosexual characters not always favorable um, and not always tasteful. Uh, but from what I remember of this movie, that was one of the first experiences where I, th- I thought um, the character was not a stereotype. He wasn't like, you know, the traditional He's... 90s movie gay character, you know, it's, oh my God, girlfriend and the hands. And mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. a very like tropish, especially in the genre, very tropish um, character type. And Kinnear's character is nothing like that and that's that was something else that I've always remembered was like they really hand, I mean Nicholson's character is not so okay with him being gay but that's something again he's not a character that we like at first like he has to grow substantially oh, and, and just some of the things he says are mm-hmm. monstrous yes and, and just like oh my and again he's he is not meant to be a likable character he's definitely a, a picture and I wouldn't say a character I would say people genuinely would act the way he does and people still mm-hmm. act the way he does yeah. and say what he does um, so uh, it's but again at the, at the, uh, at the, on the same note he does make an effort 
Well, I'm going to go into my number two. And I got I, I mentioned earlier that my list could kind of float around, and it has. Um, but this number two, I'm, I'm feeling could easily have been my number one. And yet, before I started making this list, I never considered this film a rom-com, even though that's clearly what it is. It's from 1993, Groundhog Day. Um, <laughs> the whole central conceit of this movie is him falling in love, and more importantly, Rita, played by Andy McDowell, falling in love with Phil, Bill Murray's character, who is trapped in a loop of Groundhog Day, um, stuck in Punxsutawney, Philadelphia, um, and do, and cursed, essentially, to live this life and there are all sorts of fan theories about this movie um, some some people have calculated uh using approximations on how long it takes someone to become an expert piano player like that he's there for like 400 and something years i think it could be days i can't remember it's been a while since i looked but it's out there if you google it there's all sorts of uh statistics people have come up with with how long phil is stuck in punxsutawney um i just rewatched this recently on groundhog well i watched it the day after groundhog day because Groundhog Day snuck up on me this year, much like it snuck, the shadow sneaks up on it. Um, I didn't think of it on a Saturday. But, yeah, they changed that up. But uh, I, I rewatched it the next day because it had been a while since I've seen it. And I, this movie not only holds up, but I think ages better. I think um, as I get older, I appreciate even more of the humor. Bill Murray's line deliveries are so spot on and so funny. Um I, I just adore this film. Uh, Andy McDowell's great. Um, Chris Elliott, one of his less creepy roles in any movie ever. Um, and I like that. And Stephen Tobolowsky as uh, Needlenose Ned, Ned Ryerson. Some of the funniest repeatable lines in that exchange. Um, am I right or am I right? Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> you know, it's just... I, I just love this movie. And it is... Uh, the central conceit falls to that romance can he find love and um since then this this premise this groundhog day event has been in uh even in theaters right now happy death day to you reuses the premise after using it two years ago um before i fall did it uh there's an episode of supernatural that is groundhog day themed which they even reference one of my favorite episodes i was just thinking about that that's so weird yeah and um there's uh, it's been done on other shows too because it is it's such a cool conceit um, and it, it opens up the opportunity. I, I've never watched, like, any kind of making of this movie, but I have to imagine, like, that every scene that takes place in a in the diner, for example, was filmed back to back to back to back because why change location if you're going to end up using that same location? So I just think it's such a great premise, and they execute it so perfectly. And, of course, it needs to be noted it's directed by Harold Ramis, um, so that collaboration between him and Murray just really clicks here. And... Um, I love Ghostbusters, but I, I don't know if... It, I feel like Groundhog Day might be Murray's best movie um, all the way around. As much as I love Ghostbusters, there's there's almost nothing... I can't think of a single thing about Groundhog Day that I don't love. Um, it's just an excellent film in every way, and it's my number two. It's... It's a classic I need to watch. I, I didn't include it on my list. Um, I don't know. It, it, I, I, when you talk about the best Bill Murray, there's a couple I haven't watched. Me too. That aren't big ones. Uh, Razor's Edge is the one that I think of that I don't think it was very, very well critically <laughs> acclaimed or commercially um, performed. 
um, lost in translation. But oh, love man, but when you when you think rom com, I mean, obviously, Lost in Translation is not a comedy, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, this yeah, this there's no, nothing I can think negative to say about the thing. It does have a 72 meta score and an 8.0 IMDb user score, so it's a beloved movie by many, many. And I don't know if everyone else thinks of it as a rom com or not, but. Um, it definitely is when you really look, you know, down at it. That it is ultimately what the film's about. Um, I mean, even when you think of the song that they chose, "I Got You, Babe," you know, <laughs> like it's it's foreshadowing uh, that he needs that partner. He needs that someone to love him back, um, to you know, to hold his hand. And I mean, you always use share whenever you can. That's just a given. Poor share, always getting used. Oh, that's not how I meant it. Oh, okay. I was thinking she's a queen, but okay. <laughs> wow. All right. John took it. No, John took it the oh. other way. Hey, man, you said it. I was just shocked at I, your. I meant. I meant it a different way. I meant it a different way. All right, let's go, um, Corey. We're at your number one. Are you ready to to give it that information? Yeah, talk about this movie that I've talked about before, and that you finally watched and you enjoyed also. Probably not as much as me. But I had to go with 1971's Harold and Maude. Oh, love it. Would this bother me if I knew people in real life these ages and they were together? <laughs> Most definitely. But um, I just love the movie so much. I love that he is so... Everything about him is just dark and he's so... I don't... Giving his poor mother a hard time. And then he meets Maude. They both, you know, attend funerals, and I don't, I don't know. They're just so different, and she loves life, and he pretends he's committing suicide all the time. Um, Those scenes I just, are so funny. <laughs> they're so no. funny. Oh, my God. And when his mother tries to set him up with this very nice girl, um, I just, again, the humor in this movie is so great. I, it is weird. And it's very uh, not non-traditional, their relationship, but I like it so much. I love this movie, and I like them both. This this is one that's one of those holes in my viewing. It's in my – I have a volume, and I need to get the other ones. It's I, it's a book series called Cult Movies, and Harold oh, yeah. and Maude is, is, is in there, and I think it's volume three that I have, and I don't know how I ended up with volume three and is not it, any um, of the others. Oh, what's the guy's name? Um I can't think because um, there's a a podcast called um, Pure Cinema Pod that uh, hmm. they love that guy. I, I'm sure it's the same book series. Yeah, it probably is. I mean, I see, I'd have to look in the garage because that's where it's at. I don't read it very often. Is it often Danny Peary? It, that's it. I'd have to see. I'll double check. I just I can't trek out to the garage right now. Um, well, but come on. It's, no. I mean, I, I'm committed to recording. I got to okay, stay. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I could try to walk out there, and if my Wi-Fi cuts out, that's why. But anyway, um, it's one I've missed out on, and I really it it's I I gotta watch it. I need to watch it, and I. Yeah, I I think this was on Prime recently. Oh man, did I miss? <sighs> I might. I can't Fail. remember for sure, but it, um, I can't remember how I watched it when when we finally watched it. But I this was a movie that. Um, I got recommended from like a variety of sources, like Corey being the biggest advocate, but some of the people that recommended it, I was 
I was shocked because I get a lot of movie recommendations. When I started Burke Reviews, everyone that knows that I do this will have a movie they think I should watch. You know, and most of the time I've seen it, and then every once in a while there's one that I I skipped um, for one reason or another, or I uh, knew about but I hadn't seen. And this was one of those that kept coming up, kept coming up, and I finally was like, "This sounds like it's right up my alley," and it totally, totally is. Um, it definitely is for someone with a dark sense of humor. Which, Mike, is, again, so up your alley. Uh, that, that's what's amazing to me that I've not gotten to it. Yeah. It's, just, it's, a, it's a me film. It screams me. Honestly, um, in a lot of ways, I would say, like, I don't know this for a fact, but if Yorgos Lanthimos is not a big fan of this movie, I would be very surprised. Because it's in that same... I think he takes the tone to, like, new extremes. Yeah, but I think yeah, it yeah. brings the tone um, to some <laughs> of his comedies. Yeah, well, I mean, especially, like, I think the lobster in this movie have a lot in common with the way they kind of um, laugh at relationships and what, you know, they they kind of push the boundaries of what relationships are, what the status quo would, you know, deem as appropriate and inappropriate, um, and how he looks at humor um, in this kind of twisted, demented way. Um, While the world in Harold and Maude is very much ours, I feel like Harold's world is not. Harold lives in kind of his own world, um, partly because of his his you know wealth. Um, he's able to kind of live outside of normal in in a big way, and it's it, man, it's just a really cool, thought provoking film that's super funny. And again, like Corey said, it's completely untraditional romance, but it's romance um, at its essence. In fact, I think the movie even it. it it thematically discusses the idea of romance and love in a in a powerful way it's it's a great film it's definitely one that again i don't think everyone will love but if you have sensibilities like ours uh you will definitely find a lot from this movie if you haven't seen it yet all right Corey, great and i will say slightly predictable but still great number one pick um no i think mine is slightly predictable too uh, and there's nothing wrong with predictable we've we've talked about movies for three years we should know each other's movies i think at this point so um mike what is your number number one one? oh good question hold on give me a second give me a second um i know now that you said that i'm blanking out on all the movies you like romantic (laughs) comedy though that's the of the (laughs) that makes even harder no. Yeah, I think that's what makes it so hard. Is that, um, like I wouldn't have thought Notting Hill would be on your list, to be honest. Um, oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing wrong with it either. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't know that I've ever heard you talk about it. And even more, um, my best friend's wedding, you kind of bashed Julia Roberts. So why would I anticipate Notting Hill showing up? So it's making number one uh, all the Is more challenging. Is it Bridget Jones? I don't really know. Oh, heck no. <laughs> okay, I've never seen one of those movies. Me either. It's, it, I mean, I liked them. Um, the first one, at least, I think it overstayed its welcome as a guest. I know it's a series of books, but I don't think the film treatments did very well. But it's not that one. Any other thoughts? You'll be surprised. Once you hear it, you'll be like, duh. Let's do Great. it. Let's go. Ready? Yep. Well, the, the reason I went with it is because I did like what I did for um, Benny and June, I double checked the IMDb tags and it has it as comedy drama romance. So I'm deeming it. I declare it like Michael Scott would a rom-com. And it's one I've mentioned in the past and just can't get away from. And it's Cameron Crowe's say anything from 1989. Oh, oh yeah, totally. Such a good one. It is. That's why it's my number one. I mean, I literally watched Deadpool two. Well, in it's 
Once Upon a Deadpool iteration earlier today, and it pays homage to the classic boombox scene from it. Yep. This is John Cusack in his most John Cusack-ist. Uh, I, I messed that up. But uh, he stars in it along with his real-life uh, sister Joan, the late John Mahoney, the oft-overlooked Ioni Sky, uh, uh, Lily Taylor. I mean, how could I forget Lily Taylor? Jeremy Piven makes an appearance. He's one of his buddies. Lily Taylor's oh my one God. of his close buddies. Yeah, Pamela, well, no, Pamela Adlon is on this. Uh, she is the mom in Bumblebee, and she has a TV oh. series um, called Better Things on FX. Uh, oh, I'm, a, cool. I'm a big fan of her. I didn't realize she was in this movie. That's crazy. That's it. I mean, Cameron Crowe knows his people. Um, if you're a Cameron Crowe fan to any degree, you've probably very likely already seen this. But in the event you haven't, you should just pause this right now. Stop listening. Yes, get this film. Rethink your life, its priorities, and be more Lloyd Dobler. Yep. Um, this is my, my wife is a big fan of this movie, too, which I am as well. I like John Cusack. And um, I actually bought her this vinyl figure of Lloyd Dobler holding a boombox <gasps> a couple what? of Christmases pop, ago. It's not a pop. It's uh, the vinyl idols. So it's, okay. it's bigger Still. and it's more cartoonish. I'll send you a picture of it. It's... Um, okay. I, I have the Hot Fuzz guys of the same style. Um, but, yeah, I, cool. I, I got that for for Christmas a couple years ago because I was like, oh, that's so cool. And um, one year, I don't remember what it was, if it was her birthday or our anniversary, but I went, she was working, and I went to Claire's, and I, I had a Boombox app I downloaded on my phone. It's Deadpool-esque, but pre-Deadpool. I did this on my own and held the Boombox um, iPhone, like, into her store playing the song from Say Anything. So, you know. This movie has a special place in my heart for sure. Um, I actually saw it for the first time with Kathy uh, when we first started, got together. And, you know, Cusack could have been on my I probably could have just had my top five romantic comedy starring Cusack John films. Cusack. Yeah. And because um, High Fidelity, which is not on my top five, believe it or not, um, is is one where Lily Tomlin and him are, have, a, have a connection in that movie. She's one of the ex-girlfriends. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Lily Taylor. My bad, not Lily, Lily Taylor, Tomlin. Like, Tomlin's a very He's different. Going, I know who it is. Harold and Mont. Although I would love a remake. A remake of Harold Mod with Lily Tomlin as as Mod. I'm in. Like, let's make it happen. Um, because <laughs> I love Lily Tomlin and uh, underappreciated actress. But um, yeah, great pick, dude. Totally, and I definitely say this is a rom com because there's. Because I, I think they even play up his kind of depressed attitude as mm-hmm. kind of a joke. Um, like like today, I you mean, know, the kids with their uh, I want to die nonsense, you know? Well, I mean, he gave her his heart, and she gave him a pen. <laughs> um, you know, the whole thing, you know, take all that stuff, uh, anything I ever had, anything in mind, burn it. I don't want it out there. I don't want to buy anything sold, bought, or processed. Process anything bought or sold buy anything sold or that whole thing that whole you know he's trying to explain himself to, to the dad and then i don't know if that whole thing comes up with the dad in the nursing home and, uh, and just yeah why well, I, I i need to watch this again yeah i don't it's know that i've introduced this to, to my children yeah it's one of the 80s classics that i feel like gets left out because we always go to the john hughes stuff and not to say that's bad, but I think this deserves a place up there for sure. Um, I think it's less offensive than Sixteen Candles, as much as I enjoy Sixteen Candles. 
you know, Long Duck Dong being one of the most offensive characters ever written. And then, um, yeah, and then, uh, even like in the, uh, the sexuality in that film, the implied rape, um, that's just like glossed over. 16 Candles not, doesn't hold up as well, but I don't remember anything like that, any controversy in six, in, uh, say anything, um, that I can think of at least off the top of my head now, but. Uh, it definitely, it should be up there uh, on those 80s rewatches. Um, and it's funny because, like, Heathers has been super revitalized. Like, today's kids love Heathers. So it's That's like... just shocking to me. Yeah, I don't think Heathers was that popular when it came out, by comparison Mm-mm. to how popular it is now. But um, I think Say Anything needs to be up there. It obviously gets a lot of references. It's a film that people love, but I, I don't think it's as ubiquitous as some of those John Hughes films, and it, it should be. <laughs> All right, that's Mike's number one. Um, my number one, we're going to just two years ago. And I don't think I don't think there's a better rom-com in existence. And it's a big statement to say, um, and I know that. But I'm going with Kamel Nanjani and Emily V. Gordon's inspired by their actual love life, The Big Sick from 2017. Um, I saw this in the theater with our friend Brendan and walked out knowing that I had seen something that was going to stick with me forever. Um, I bought it, rewatch it, and that was my f- favorite film from 2017, if you guys remember, on our top five for that year. Um, and I, I can't not speak highly of this film. It's directed by Michael Showalter, um, stars Zoe Kazan as playing Emily, but it stars Kamel Johnny, who is one of my favorite, like, people. Not just as an actor. Like, if you follow him on Twitter or Instagram, I love what he posts. Um, I've listened to several podcasts. He's a regular on Douglas movies, which I love that element. But the thing I love about this movie is it's not just a love story for Kamel and Emily. It's also about Emily's parents played by Holly Hunter and Ray Romano. Easily my favorite Ray Romano performance ever. Oh, yeah. And I love this movie reminded me how great Holly Hunter can be. And I ended up going back and watching some of her older films because of this movie. So I just have so much affection for this film. We also get Bo Burnham uh, in a very side character playing kind of himself um, as a comedian. Uh, he's one of Kamel's friends and, and colleagues. Um, and A.D. Bryant, who is an up-and-coming um, actress, comedian herself. Uh, she was on SNL and Girls. And then she's got something new coming out called Shrill on H- uh, Hulu original series. Um, it's just... I don't know. There's so much greatness in this film. It deals with, um, you know, his his heritage and and being from Pakistan, and dealing with all of that and his family's traditions and how he's trying to to be American but also wants to honor his family. But you know, and it's there's so much here, and yet it's got so much heart. It is absolutely hilarious. Um, you can tell that it's personal, but at the same time, it is. It's just so enjoyable so pure and um zoe kazan this i wasn't really aware of her before this movie um since i saw this i've seen a few more things she was in the ballad of buster scruggs this year the cohen Mm. uh anthology Mm -hmm. series she's terrific in that although she's not in one of the funnier ones she's in one of the more dramatic uh vignettes but um i i honestly i said i've switched my list around i this was put number one immediately um Mm. And again, I love rom-coms, so there's tons and tons of them that I could easily swap out, but 
big li- the big stick was always on my big list, if you will. Um, <laughs> and uh, again, Kamel and Johnny, if you, if you haven't seen Silicon Valley, he is so funny on that that TV series on HBO. Um, his stand up specials are hilarious. Um, he's just got this demeanor about him, and he's he's got a few movies coming out this year. Um, where he's actually leading, because he's in tons of cameo roles in, in other movies. But this year, he's got... I didn't realize he's in Men in Black International, actually. But um, there was he's got a movie he's doing with Dave Bautista, where he is uh, like his partner. It's so like a buddy cop-type comedy. Um, I, I don't think he's a cop. I think he's like an Uber driver who gets pulled into a case or something like that. I don't remember the premise but i i'm excited for anything he's doing because i just think he is great so that's my number one um i think both of you have seen this right i have not <coughs> oh. one of those i had it ready to go and then i didn't and then i forgot oh man it's on, it's Prime. on amazon yeah it's an amazon yeah. uh, studios yeah. production so it's it's on there yeah. and that's the crazy I... part i've had access to it well that's our top five, I think. Uh, Corey, did you, I'm sorry. I feel like you got cut off. Yeah, my, my thing has been randomly muting, so whatever. Oh. Um, I also really love Big Sick, and it was on my list for, was it two years ago it came out? Mm-hmm. 2017. Yeah, I love it so much, and I totally agree about her parents' marriage, and I think that they handle a lot of things in that movie really well that could really have been, I don't want to say over you know overly dramatic i just felt like they handled the tone of those things really well yeah and i i have a a bit of a bias because i am a fan of the actual people the story is about because i obviously i'm a fan of camille but i'm also a fan of emily um they've done a few podcasts together and i've listened to those and i i definitely like both of them a lot um so it's hard for me not to have this like personal connection to this film because i feel like i knew the story before i saw the movie but the movie just contextualized it all the more so yeah i i absolutely love this film and i do find it so funny and some of the stand-up spe- uh, scenes are so great and Kamel, there is like some really well portrayed dramatic scenes um that are just so great um yeah dinner table well i the dinner table but i also i love the scene where uh he gets heckled but um, Ray Romano and oh. uh, Holly Hunter are in the audience, and they like lose it on the heckler. <laughs> like, <Yes. laughs> it's so funny. Um, because they, they they, I love how they come to like him too. Because it's when they first meet him, they're very like defensive and and rightfully well, so. Yeah. Um, because he had broken up with uh with Emily prior to her going into the the hospital, and like. But how he wins them over, it's so charming, and I, I just, uh, I can't get enough of this movie. I almost watched it today in preparation for this list just to have, like, a fresh thought on it. I didn't, and you can tell I still, I remember, like, so many scenes of this movie so vividly. Um, and as I'm talking about it, more are coming back to me, because I just, I really love this movie. But, alright, let's get to honorable mentions, though. Um, Corey, what do you have for honorable mentions for the rom- rom-com genre? Pretty Woman, Sleepless in Seattle, The Princess Bride, which I hadn't thought of as a romantic comedy. But totally but, is, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ten Things I Hate About You. <coughs> All right, Mikey? I'll start with that one because I have Ten Things I Hate About You on my list. Love uh, Honorable mentions. 
Love Actually, Sabrina, the original. Well, actually, the updated is more rom-com. I think the, the other one's romance. So I'll go with the updated Sabrina. When Harry Met Sally, and you've got mail. I need to rewatch Harry, When Harry Met Sally. I have not seen that since I was a kid, and I saw it in the theater. Um, although I did recently buy it at a, uh, a thrift store, so I need to give it a watch. Um, I have on mine, I have Moonstruck uh, with Cher and Nick Cage. Um, I almost That was at, on my top five at one point, and it did fall off the list. But I really loved it when we watched it um, back for the movie club. Uh, the Proposal with Sandy B and Ryan Reynolds. Um, going back a ways, uh, The Philadelphia Story, which um, stars uh, Cary Grant and uh, Jimmy Stewart. So right away, two actors who I absolutely love, especially Jimmy Stewart. Um, Sixteen Candles, even though I just bashed it a few minutes ago. It's on my... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, His Girl Friday, going back again. Uh, music and Lyrics, I mentioned earlier with Drew Barrymore and Hugh Grant. Sleepless in Seattle. <clears throat> this one I've been trying to get people to watch for a while. It's called Man Up. It's Lake Bell and Simon Pegg. Fantastic movie. Super great rom-com. It was on Netflix. I think it still might be. I highly recommend that one. High Fidelity, Juno. Oh, yeah. Um, two more. Uh, Corey, I know you are a fan of this movie as well. Loser. With, um, I love that movie. Why didn't I think about it? <laughs> Jason Biggs. <laughs> and big? I mean, I that's it. I always forget her name. Both American Pies alum. But I, I love Loser. It's not a great movie, but it just always clicked for me. Um, and then the last one is Sam Rockwell, Anna Kendrick, in a movie called Mr. Right. Sam Rockwell is a hitman who meets Anna Kendrick, and there's this like fantasy supernatural element to his hitman abilities. It's so stupid, but it's so great. Um, I really, really like this movie a lot. I'm a big Sam Rockwell fan. And him and Anna Kendrick together are just, even though there's definitely a real-life age gap, um, they just made me, like, cheese, like, the whole time I was watching the movie. So, uh, not going to be one everyone clicks with, but it clicked for me. But that is my honorable mentions. And I would like to point out, I saw all five of Mike's movies. I think that might be the first time that's ever happened. (laughs) Wow. Okay, then. (laughs) I am, uh, I guess you could say I am fairly versed in the rom-com genre. I've missed some, but I've seen many. Um, you guys have any, a little more affection for the genre now? Some. There you go. I mean, I'll take some. I'm not going to ask. I'm going to seek out a rom-com. Um, but if it hits me right, I can't deny the... the how well they work. There it is. Corey? Yeah, I guess I didn't realize how many movies are considered rom-coms. I thought it's... I don't know. I did think just stuff like Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. Well, listeners, we'd love to hear your list. So you can hit us up on social media. I am at Burke Reviews. Corey? At, at Corey R Star, two R's on the end. Corey with a C. And Mikey? Server Monkey. At Server Monkey. Yep. And uh, we post reviews to BurkeReviews.com, so check that out. Um, I am in efforts to go to Tribeca 2019 uh, in May. I have started a GoFundMe. Um, The link is right there at the top of BurkeReviews.com. If you are able to donate anything from a dollar to ten to twenty to a thousand, a thousand would be overkill and pay for the trip pretty much entirely. But anything you can give helps uh, make sure we can uh, continue getting these festival reviews 
seeing the movies before other people get a chance to say they're not good so that you know that they are. Um, and or the other way around. Sometimes uh, some of the festival movies aren't so great. But I saw a lot of great movies at Tribeca last year, some of which are just starting to get on uh, platforms that you can see them. But um, my reviews are still there, so you can still check them out. So um, we'd love to hear more from you, but you need to tell people about us. So go to iTunes, rate and review our podcast, share it on your social media, tell people to give us a listen, and um, tell them to tell us their top fives. We'd love to see where we went wrong with our rom-coms, or as much as I love this genre, if there are some really great ones that I've missed, I need to know about them. Because I could have just done top five rom-coms no one's heard of because of my last two or three years of festival going. Um, I've seen some great movies, including The New Romantic. So with that, uh, until next time, keep watching movies. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movie verse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. <laughs>